Welcome to Recollections. I have a goose egg-sized stone that is very polished, that is both greens, browns, and dark iron oxide brick red, streaked all throughout. This is Becky Beyer. Becky studies regional plant lore and medicine making, as well as historic magical lore from Europe and Appalachia. We asked Becky to look at an item from the Reese Museum collections that may have a very interesting history. Uh, this is a type of green jasper or chalcedony called a bloodstone. Pretty sure whoever owned this previously, it was probably used for magical means, which is pretty neat. Bloodstone, also called heliotrope, is an aggregate mineral, a combination of jasper and hematite. According to the donors of this egg-shaped stone, it's been around since the 1800s and may have come from England, but that's about all we know. Becky, however, can tell us a lot about the historic uses of bloodstone, which, like she mentioned, have a lot to do with magic. After looking at the stone in the archives, we sat down with Becky to learn more. This stone is a historically kept amulet, and the word amulet and talisman have been used interchangeably to denote an object believed to inherently contain magical properties. And most of the time we think of amulets or talismans as protective items, like even the horseshoe is an image most people, I feel like, know for the lucky rabbit's foot. That's an amulet. Bloodstone is found all over the world, including the United States, China, Armenia, Scotland, and Brazil. And for thousands of years, different cultures have believed that it could grant all kinds of powers and protections. In the first century, the Roman author and naturalist Pliny the Elder said that the stone could grant its user the power of invisibility. An Arabian magician named Damageron wrote that the stone could summon rain and cause solar eclipses. Gnostic Christians believed that it could cure depression, and Egyptians thought that it could help with digestion. In Europe, during the Renaissance, the stone was so well known for its powers that people would tell an apocryphal Christian story to explain its origins. The Roman soldier who stabbed Christ in the side while he was being crucified, when his blood dropped onto the ground, it hit some green jasper and turned it into the stone, and that's why it's magic. Despite the many powers it's been known for, bloodstone is most famous for another particular quality. It's a hemostatic amulet, meaning it stops blood flow. In many historic healing traditions, people have believed that when an object resembles human body parts, it could treat the ailments of those body parts. In the case of the bloodstone, its deep red flux of hematite led many cultures to assume that if someone kept the stone close at hand, it could protect them from losing too much blood if they were injured. I have found references that the Egyptians, the Greeks, the Chinese, and the Aztecs even believed that this would stop bleeding. Can bloodstone actually stop someone from bleeding? From a Western scientific standpoint, the answer would be no. But some of the ways that bloodstone has been applied to wounds, and the belief in bloodstone's healing powers, may have historically provided some side benefits. So some people in India, they would place the stone on a wound after soaking it in cold water and getting it cold. That in itself, the cold, like applying a cold compress, would definitely help with swelling and reduce the bleeding more quickly. Most likely it was just comforting to have the stone mentally and it could calm a patient enough that their heart would slow and then it would slow blood flow. 
Many European cultures also believed in the healing abilities of bloodstones, and European immigrants brought those beliefs with them when they came to America. In some Mormon traditions, bloodstones were used as protective amulets. The Mormon leader Brigham Young even regularly wore a bloodstone on a chain across his vest. Beliefs about bloodstones have also survived in Appalachian culture. Becky found an early 20th century reference to a woman from Wayne County, Pennsylvania. She said that you could use or carry these stones to prevent bleeding and wounds, and specifically nosebleed. The use of bloodstone has found its way into Appalachian fiction as well. North Carolina author Ron Rash references bloodstones in his novel One Foot in Eden. When one of the main characters, Amy, is given a baby shower, she's advised by one of the guests to carry a bloodstone in her left pocket during her pregnancy. Amy, however, dismisses the idea as, quote, so much silliness. Which brings us back to the bloodstone in our collection. If it does come from England, did its owners in the 19th century believe that it was magic? Or did they think of it as a fascinating but harmless keepsake? There is one clue about how it might have been used, coming from an English book written in the 17th century. In 1675, a man named Thomas Boyle wrote The Origin and Virtues of Gems. He mentions a sanguine fellow, or a person with their humors out of whack, but he had constant nosebleeds. And he was given a bloodstone the size of a pigeon egg and the shape of an egg, just like our object that we've been examining at the Reese Museum. And I have biggish hands for a lady, and it fits like I can completely close my fingers over it. And I imagine it would, it would be very comforting and cool in the palm. So, maybe. Back about 150 years ago, in Victorian England, someone with a nosebleed was sitting in a chair, head tilted up, pinching their nose, and feeling the comforting weight of this bloodstone grasped firmly in the palm of their hand. Recollections is a production of the B. Carol Reese Museum, a unit of the Center for Appalachian Studies and Services at East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee. This episode was produced by me, Sarah Lynch Thomason, with assistance from the staff at the Reese Museum. Special thanks to WETS for the use of their studios.